Hello and welcome to Farming with Jesus, a place where the seeds of faith are sown and grow in our lives, a podcast of the Gibson City Bible Church. Uh, If you're a regular listener to the podcast, uh, there are going to be some things that are a little different about this podcast and the uh, subsequent podcast, at least in the immediate future. um, Maybe one of the most obvious is I have changed seats. I'm going to serve as host here for the next few weeks. Uh, Jonah Wilson is my partner. Conlon is our uh, technician that puts it all together, but that's that's one of the new things is that I'm excited to be on this side of the microphone and serving as the host. And uh, Jonah is going to serve as providing all the answers that we have about the questions we're going to be asking. And the questions we're going to be asking uh, are about a new topic that we're moving to, and that is going to be several words that end as isms. Um, If you listen again regularly to the podcast, the last one, uh, which was published this week, uh, we explained that we're going to be thinking about our environment and farming with Jesus and thinking about that environment and where the seeds of faith grow. What does it look like to love Jesus in our world, the world where the Lord has placed us? We don't live in a bubble. We should not live in a bubble. We are to be salt and light. So what does it love mean to love Christ in the world in which we live, a world in which we're to be in the world but not of the world, a, wor- a place where we're called to love Christ in the world in which we live? Uh, and uh, what does that look like as we touch the lives of others and we're influenced by the world in which we Live And so Jonah and I have been talking about topics that may help as we consider that world in which we live. And we came up with several of those, and we're going to land on one of those in particular. And Jonah, the one that we're going to discuss today is what? Today's first episode will be individualism. Individualism. And I think, frankly, in some ways that's going to be... a hard one for us um, to maybe communicate why individualism would be one that we would even consider doing a podcast. Why would we dedicate the time and effort and energy to a topic like individualism? Can you give us a brief answer? Why? Why that? Well, when we look at society around us, individualism is something that's very much promoted, encouraged even admired in some cases. It's something that's very prevalent when we look around at each other and even when we look at other media. And so when we think about that, we need to ask ourselves, is that something that is right? Is it good that individualism is so prevalent in our American 21st century society, or as Christians, is it something that we should look at critically and maybe provide an alternative to? So uh, we live in a world in which individualism has been highly valued. Uh, We think about people who are heroes, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, that may date me, you know, at 63, but we're people of self-reliance and... um, 
one man I was reading and getting ready for today said, think about how we responded. One of the responses, one of the common responses given to the requirement to wear a face mask, don't tell me what to do. That's kind of stood our country in good stead, but you're saying we, I like the word, I like the way you said it, we need to think about it critically. Give some explanation of what you mean by that phrase. When people may hear that and say, well, you, you're, Jonah is saying we need to be negative toward it right out of the gate. What do you mean when you, you say we need to think about it in a critical way? I view that more as a neutral perspective of looking at it, trying to be objective and thinking through uh, being thoughtful about how we're considering it, being able to assess things that may be taken for granted in some cases, and then from there be able to ask ourselves, okay, in light of those things, is this something that we should be doing? So would you, right out of the gate, would you say individualism is a straw man, uh, or is there, there are some ways in which it can be a real, I don't know if the word threat is the right word, but it can be a negative thing for us as followers of Christ. Uh, absolutely, it can be a negative thing for us. Yes. So I found this quote, it's kind of a long one, but I would like you to to respond to it just a wee bit. It comes from a theologian, his name is Scott McKnight. Here's the quote. A shift has occurred. We have moved from a we culture to a me culture. Um, since the 1950s, American society has been reorienting markedly toward valuing individualism, and it's reached a point to, in which it has become a prime factor responsible for pulling our church community apart. That's a strong statement. We're more likely to understand ourselves in relationship to ourselves than uh, in how we affect and are affected by others. This is a difficult one for us as Americans to fully identify because describing individualism would be like describing water to a fish. It's all around us. It's normal. It's perhaps even one of the attributes that has helped America become so materially successful. But we can see it more clearly by comparing different time periods in America, contrasting today's society with when we were more community-oriented. Okay, so I'd like to go back and pick up uh, part of what McKnight has said and say, uh, have you respond to it, that individualism has reached a point where it's become a prime factor responsible for pulling our church community apart. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's accurate? Is that hyperbole? What, what, how, would you, uh, how would you respond to that? I think it's insightful, and I think it's probably correct. If we think about areas or instances where we would say that our church community is being pulled apart, if you look at the reason behind that, or if you were to ask people and say, hey, what, what, what is it about this community? What is it about your local congregation of Christians that, that makes you maybe not want to engage them? Or why aren't you engaged more? I think a common answer you'd find is, well, I don't, I don't need to be a part. Or, well, uh, it's easier if I'm doing things on my own. And... That's something that, to a certain degree, we can all relate to, but for some people, 
that feeling might be especially prominent and lead to them not wanting to to engage uh, a church community much at all so i grew up in the uh in the middle of the cold war grew up in a military home so it was drummed into me socialism is bad communism is bad it sounds like to me you guys are kind of buying into uh, a new wave of of living in a socialistic kind of way and and that is anathema you know we need to be fleeing that is the answer to that simply that we become more individualistic in our lives as people and specifically as christians so you mean as a response to that growing increase in communism well and the idea that you know we hear bantered about uh that uh, when you start talking about living in community, being responsible for community, drawing from community, that smacks of this that this idea of being more socialist in your viewpoint of the world. Is that is that what you're saying? Is that what you're prescribing for us? No, and I think it would be helpful to distinguish between what we're talking about in terms of individualism or a sense of community the framework in which we're talking about this obviously is in our our podcast here farming with jesus we're thinking about how specifically christians how Mm. we as christians look at our environment around us and unpack or live into these different things that are happening around us and so we're not talking about general society as a whole that's at its core, I mean, socialism, communism, those are things that look at society as a whole, as right. a country or a nation, and, and say, okay, how are we going to arrange things? What we're talking about is not some sort of prescription for the entire United States. What we're thinking about is how followers of Jesus, as Christians, should uh, view our relationships with one another and how we should live together, ultimately. So when the Apostle Paul talks about us becoming believers, one of the things he describes that in 1 Corinthians is that we are, he uses some unusual language. He talks about us being baptized into the body of Christ, immersed or placed into the body of Christ. Help help unpack that just a little bit. What What does it mean when we talk about us becoming part of the body of Christ? Does that just mean when we walk down the front and are presented to the congregation on a Sunday morning, now we're part of the body of Christ. Is that? Do you think that captures the essence of what Paul is describing in First Corinthians when he talks about us being eyes and ears and fingers and toes sure. and what it means to be part of that body? Well, that's a, an interesting point because in some ways we we may fall on one side or the other of a uh, pendulum or a spectrum. Uh, On the one hand, it's easy uh, to think that we might be saying here today that, that there's no such thing as the individual, that, that individuals should not be the focus at all. And that instead we want to just look at the community as a whole. And while we do want to emphasize the, the importance of community in light of individualism, what we're not saying is that there is no 
individual dynamics when it comes to our faith. Mm. Because, like you said, when someone is baptized into Christ, that is someone, that is an individual Mm. person. That person, in our tradition in particular, uh, someone who is baptized is someone who has made this profession of faith. They have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that is an individual decision that they made. It wasn't something that their parents made for them, even Mm. if they were raised in a church. It wasn't something that their husband or wife made for them. If it's a child, it's not even, it's not something that the parents have done either. So that is an individual basis that someone comes to faith in Christ. But what's important is that when that baptism takes place, a baptism is this outward act of that transformation, that that coming to Christ and trusting in him as our Lord and Savior. And as such, it is what initiates us into this Christian community. And so it is uniting us with all believers who have come before us and all believers who are around us today as we are baptized. And it introduces us into this community that is very much uh, important. I really like the analogy. I think we may have talked about it in another podcast episode, but I've heard of baptism being referred to like jumping on a moving train Mm. in the sense of baptism introduces you to something that's already happening. It, It isn't as if we come up with the Christian faith by ourselves and just decide that baptism is a good idea, but instead we join this larger community of believers. And so as we jump on this moving train, it's like this train's already moving and we are choosing to stake our lives and hold on to that train. So let me see if I can say it back to you. In, in you, we are, you are not denying that there are individual decisions that must be made. I mean, you, as a, as a human being, to enter into this right relationship with God, to enter into this family relationship with God, that's an individual decision that I can't make for you, you can't make for me, my parents can't make for me. I have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's an individual decision. Absolutely. But that decision brings us into the context of this corporate relationship with a larger whole of, of human beings who are born again into the family of God, and now we have become part of this body, this group. Yes. And that relationship brings with it benefits and responsibilities. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes, it does. And, and one thing I, I would want to especially say is that this is not something that is just a helpful option if we need it. Ah. So I really like what J.I. Packer says. He says, We should not think of fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotion, mm. as if, oh, we'll, we'll read our Bibles at home and we'll pray to God. And then if, we're, if we feel like we want to do something a little different sometime, yeah, then let's go and attend a worship service or something like that. So if a, if a fellow was sitting across your desk in your office and said, Jonah, I've come to know Jesus as my Savior, but I have no interest in this thing called church and Christians. Um, people are, you know, I, they're not doing it right. I don't, I just don't, I don't want to be a part of that, but I want to love Jesus. What would you say to them? I think I would say, 
if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I can uh, in some ways relate to what you're saying about seeing the flaws in humans and in communities. But if Jesus is your Savior, Jesus has interest in that community. Mm. Jesus calls us to be a part of mm. that community. And so, you know, gently put, uh, it doesn't matter if you don't aren't interested in that or don't want to do it. It's something that we're still called to mm. as Christians. Um, that so, so is it a matter of obedience then? Yes. That puts it in a different, different light, I think. It does. I think it puts it in a biblical light. Well, and if we talk about what you mentioned earlier with Paul in 1 Corinthians when he's using this analogy of a body, we are part of that body. If we are compared to a physical body, uh, different parts of the body like a finger or a foot or a heart are all parts of the body whether they like it or not. And there's no way that you can separate those things from a body and have them exist as they should. They exist as part of the body. And, and so it's natural. It's, it's what it means for us to be part of a Christian community. It's, it's really recognizing that and living into it. So if an individual were to say, I'm just responsible for me. I'm not responsible for anybody else as an individual believer. They have to just do whatever. That's, that's not entirely true then. There is a sense in which the answer is, am I my brother's keeper? The answer would be yes. There's a sense in which we are a brother's keeper. Fair enough? Absolutely. So if that's the case, what does that look like? How does that, how does that show itself? Uh, if, if that's true. It, what, what, so you've talked about the gospel. So the gospel comes to us and we, we, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved. And the gospel is larger than just individual salvation. It's about forming this group of people that represent Christ and look like Christ. So um, as it does that, how does it begin to demonstrate itself? What, what does that begin to look like? Well, I think there's a stark contrast between the gospel message and what we often see in terms of individualism. Because individualism says that we can rely upon ourselves. That though there are other people doing different things at its core, what's most important is that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and that we power through, we use our uh, gifts and our minds and anything that's at our disposal and we do things ourselves. That sounds like an appeal to human pride to me a little bit. Well, it does. And that's why it's, it's so antithetical to the gospel because the gospel at its core tells us that we cannot re rely upon ourselves. That, yes, each person who God has made is made in, in God's image. We are, as humans, there is great value and worth given to our lives. But at the same time, we are sinful people. And we are living in a, a time in which we have been offered this opportunity to have a relationship with God. Despite our sin, despite the flaws in our lives, we are offered this uh, relationship with God. But it depends uh, not upon us being really good and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but it depends upon God's work and our response to it. And so at its core, the gospel says that we can't rely 
on ourselves. We have to rely upon God's saving work in the world. So it, uh, the gospel itself erodes that. So, you know, when you look up uh, when you look up individualism, one of the, when I was looking it up, Googling it, one of the things that just kept coming to the forefront was self-reliance, self-reliance. Yep. So the gospel itself undermines individualism in terms of that self-reliance, that appeal to human pride as we are adequate for, uh, for whatever uh, is before us in terms of making this relationship right with God. We have to cast ourselves on his grace and his mercy. Uh, how does that gospel then play itself out in terms of our relationship with other people then? So when we think about our relationships with others, we have to recognize, one, that we have a common bond with all people who are Christians because we all come to Christ in the same way, generally speaking. Now, yes, people come to faith in Christ. There's different situations and and people in their mm. lives. Yes, I don't, I don't mean that is all the same, but ultimately we all come to know God and have a relationship with him through the work of Jesus. That's something that is the same for all Christians. And so we have that in common. And as we said, the church is to be a body. And as a body, we are all working together. I would say that we are working together as this body to further the kingdom of God, to grow in our relationship together with God and with each other. And so it means relying upon those relationships in a very foundational and, and core way to who we are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the scripture, the New Testament especially, is, is full of calls to us to love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, all these. I mean, if you just were to Google one another in the New Testament, there are all these exhortations, calls, commands to us to be part of this corporate relationship. Yes, and we've been talking about this corporate, this bodily uh, analogy that Paul uses, but another image that we see scripture used that speaks to our relationship with God and others is as part of God's family as well. We're adopted mm. into God's family. We are mm. children of God. And how many people, when they think about their personal relationships in their family, would say that they view their church community as a family in the same sense of their biological family? Mm. I, now, yes, there's always going to be differences. I'm not saying that there, there should be no distinction there whatsoever because God does call us to, you know, we have husbands and wives and children, and there's unique relationships there, no doubt. But often I think we look at the community that we have with others, and we would, if we're honest, we might say that whatever that looks like is very far from the way that a family functions. Yeah, I, 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 I think sometimes when we think of church uh, in particular, uh, we think of it more like we are a part of a, a um, social club, a social organization, better, social organization. 
And I'm not, I'm not against those, like the Lions Club. I'm not against that. But we would see the church more in those terms. You know, we, we kind of pay our dues. We reap benefits from the club. We participate to whatever level we want to with the club, whether we stand out front and, uh, on the street and sell candy. Man, well, maybe we want, don't want to do that. But so, and, you know, there, there are good things that come. But we're really not responsible for each other in that club. And I, I think that's an inadequate. I think it falls far short of the biblical descriptor of what it means to be part of this body. Um, I, I think the whole idea of let's just go to church falls far short of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. It does. And I think that's where the picture of a family is very helpful for yeah, us. Yeah, I the, agree. The word that you just used was responsibility, right. having a responsibility for others. That That's very different from what you initially described of really you come to church, you benefit from some of the things, it's the social dynamic, and, and then you go home right. until the next week. Well, in many ways, that's just promoting ourselves. It's, it's a, a form of self-promotion and caring for ourselves. But if we think about a family, how many of us would look at our brother or sister if they are our literal, our biological brother or sister, and if they were in need, most of us would say, hey, you need a bed to sleep on tonight? Yeah, stay at our house. Right. Or are you hungry? Here's, here's some food we just made. Well, that's a no-brainer. That's natural. But what about in terms of our church family, our family as brothers and sisters in Christ. And really the, the analogy of a family is also something that gives us a, a dose of uh, reality as well, because as we know, in any family, there are disagreements, there are struggles, whether that is with a brother or sister, whether that's with our parents, mm. or if you're a parent, maybe it's with your children. Right. There's difficulty in those yep. things, absolutely. But to be able to have the relationship at its core that allows us to say, okay, even if we have difficulty and frustration in our relationship, even if someone does something to wrong me, and maybe even mm. intentionally hurts me sometimes, yes, that might happen. Well, but that bond of family needs to be deep enough to where we can say, you know what? I forgive you. Right. I'm not perfect either. I forgive you, and we're going to move forward through this. And that gives us a very different picture of what it looks like to live in community as a family. Well, and when you, I agree 100%. And when you look at the New Testament, I wish there was a way we could distinguish in our, when we look at the, our translations in the New Testament. So often when we read... Again, in the Pauline epistles, his exhortations to, to especially what we would consider the church, we see the pronoun you, this, and, but often Paul's writing in the plural. He's not writing just to this individual. This is your re job, your respect. He's writing to us. It's us. We grow together in Christ, but we grow together in Christ. And we don't, I don't think, adequately value the benefit that comes from that shared uh, uh, growth, that shared responsibility, that shared, we don't even like to think of it, but we do have an accountability even to one another. Uh, you know, Paul's clear. If you have somebody who's, 
who's straying, it is your responsibility to go to them. There's a mutual accountability. So all of that is part of what it means to be uh, part of the body of Christ. Yeah, that's where that's where the the y'all yeah helps if we y'all. if we had some y'alls in our Bible Amen. translations that could southern shed some yes yeah, shed some light into that. Show tell me some ways that you think um, this kind of community relationship shows up in its best its best forms in in the body of Christ. What are some of the best ways you see that kind of community happening? I think one characteristic that is present in the best circumstances is honesty, being wow. able to be honest with one another. There, in most cases, I think people would say that there aren't many people who they are as honest with as they are with their family members. Do you mean so, I don't like your tie kind of honesty? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I suppose there could be a time for that, but... I think there's a deeper honesty that's at stake here, an honesty of revealing some of the flaws in our own lives and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Mm. Can you help me? Mm. That takes honesty. It takes some openness and, and willingness to maybe even be hurt, but it takes honesty in being able to express that. It also goes to what you mentioned a moment ago about accountability. So if we are being honest with one another, it doesn't mean that we are going to beat each other over the heads with things, but there is a time in which we should say, hey, you hurt my feelings. Yep. Hey, that you hurt someone else's feelings. I, yeah. That hurt them. And it doesn't mean you say, hey, you idiot, what are you doing? But it means that you lovingly come alongside them and say, hey, I know you may not have meant this or may not have realized it, but that hurt someone. And, and we have to think about that because if we are going to love one another as Christ has loved us, we need to have some honest and, and sometimes difficult conversations at times. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I think you have, to, you have to cultivate, you have to be intentional about creating those kind of relationships with other people. There's risk involved in that, and I think sometimes people are afraid of it. There's, there's definite risk that are associated with that, and sometimes people have been hurt when they've, they've had that kind of uh, relationship, but that kind of living life without veneer is, is, should be in, in ingrained in the culture of what it means to be. What are some other ways? What are some other ways we see this idea of of living in community expressed, you think, in the body of Christ? I think it, it looks like caring for one another hmm. means coming alongside one another. The, the, the classic weep with those who weep and, and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so that means that we are coming alongside each other in fellowship in the good times and in the bad times. And when it's good, that's going to be a little bit easier, obviously. If someone invites you over to a, a party, then sure, yeah, I'll be there. That's a lot of fun. If someone says, hey, I am, I'm really stressed right now. I, I need some help. Will you help me with, will you watch my kids for an hour? Or will you come over and just talk to me for mm. a little bit? Well, 
that can be inconvenient. That can be difficult, and it can be much more difficult than that. Uh, and so there are both of those times that in the good and in the bad that we're going to be together. Um, I also, I like the way that I mentioned a, a line from J.I. Packer earlier, and something that he describes with our relationships with others is that uh, the way we have relationships with others, uh, he says, our, those relationships require us to be fed with our relationship with God and, and vice versa. And so the relationships that we have as individuals to God and our relationships with brothers and sisters feed off of one another. Mm. And like I said, the way he puts it is they require uh, nourishment and to be fed. And we, we do that. We feed those relationships by spending time with and, and engaging each of those relationships. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So do you think the church in general does well with that or poor? I think there's times of both. Yeah. Uh, and to a certain degree, we're never going to get around that until Jesus returns. Right. Uh, we're, we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. Now, that isn't a, a cop-out to where we can just say, oh, well, who cares? We're going to make mistakes. But it's, I think it's a, just a realistic look at it and saying, yes, we're going to make mistakes, but we're still going to strive for it, even if it is difficult. So the guy I mentioned earlier sitting across the desk, maybe you've said some of these things, and he goes, okay, Jonah, I've changed my mind. I want to be engaged with the body. Where do I start? How do I, what do I do? Tell me what to do. What, what should be a beginning's point for me? I want to, I see where I just, I tend to live for myself. I don't like interruptions. I don't like my schedule. You use the word, it's a powerful word. I don't want to be inconvenienced, but I'm, I'm combating that. I, I live too much for myself. I want to contribute to the body. I want the body to contribute to me in terms of growth and love of Christ and sure. serving others. What do I, what should I do? How do I start? Well, at each, in each congregation, some of those specifics are going to look a little bit different. But generally speaking, I think the first place that you start is saying worship with brothers and sisters regularly. Worship is something that unites the relationship with brothers and sisters and our relationship with God hmm. because we're doing it together. We're doing it corporately. Sometimes corporate we worship. might say yep. corporate worship. Uh, corporate is another word for bodily and so it's the body of Christ worshiping God. And so when we worship, it unites us, it humbles us, it reminds us that we are not alone, and it not only does it honor God, but it also forms us as disciples, hmm. as we pray and as we study God's word and as we study his scriptures and uh, sing together and partake in the Lord's Supper together. All these types of things are are important. And from there, I think sometimes we might try to make it a little too complicated. Uh, again, there's going to be unique opportunities of service and volunteer opportunities and such in different congregations. And so that's going to look different. But by simply doing something like going up to someone and saying, hey, can we get together? 
can we have a meal together? And maybe you make that a, a regular occurrence and you start small. That may seem pretty insignificant to just have a, a meal with, with one person every once mm. in a while. But you have to start somewhere first. And, and second, I think that can really blossom into a, a very positive thing, having good Christian friendships that give us the opportunity to to be honest and to bear our burdens together and to rely upon each other. And sometimes that happens in groups as well rather than just individuals. At our church, we have what we call growth groups, but really it's just a form of small groups where we are in smaller groups, uh, growing as disciples and studying God's Word and also having fellowship with one another and saying, hey, Paul, uh, what can we be praying for you about? What's going on in your life? How is your family doing? Are there ways that we can come alongside you? Or is there a way that you can come alongside me? It's, it's reciprocal. It's not a, a one-way street. So, mm. so pursuing those seemingly mundane or ordinary relationships, I think, are very important ways for us to, uh, to step into that. Community. And to do that with intentionality and purpose and to be determined by the grace of God to do that. Absolutely. Uh, we're at the end of, the, of our time together. Do you, is there something that we haven't talked about that you think we absolutely should talk about? With well, I think a resource that you and I have both found helpful in terms of this conversation of community Opposed as opposed to individualism, is a book by Christine Pohl. Mm, it's a great book called "Living into Community." She talks about the whole book is structured around different different practices that help us do exactly that: live into community. And that's right. really what you were asking as well. She talks about gratitude and promises and living truthfully and having hospitality. All these things that help us to really live into community more fully. Hmm. So we live in this world that highly values, at least our culture, highly values individualism. And we're not absolutely opposed to that. There is a place for it. But if it goes to seed and it robs us of a sense of responsibility, accountability, calling, I love that word, to community, then it has become detrimental to us. Is that fair to say? If it, it robs us of, of relating to other people in very specific and dynamic ways and seeing that relationship not just as a self-growth thing, but seeing it as a, as a vehicle by which the Lord grows us in a relationship with Him and we contribute to the growth in the lives of others and they to us, then in that sense, community is, is what we're called to do. It's what the Lord would require of us even. It is. And I could also see, you know, you propose that hypothetical person sitting across the desk who has become a Christian. I could also see that person saying, well, I already have friendships. I already have relationships. Right. I'm, I'm a part of the Lions Club or something like that. You well, know, like you mentioned, them. I would commend them for that. Absolutely. And we're not saying that you have to shun all other relationships with people who are not Christians when you become one. That's not what we're saying at all. Like you said earlier, we are to be the salt and light. We are to engage with those around us, even who aren't Christians. But what we cannot forget is that the type of community 
that we are called to as Christians is something that is totally distinct from those other relationships that yeah. we will not find in any other area of life. Yeah, we're, we're, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're guided by the Word of God. We are united in Christ. We, and it just it doesn't, and I know it, we've been talking about in terms of the local body, but it also means we're united in Christ to the brothers and sisters who live in Australia and Africa and uh, South America. There's this commonness that we have with them as well and responsibility that we have to one another as the body of Christ. So it places us into, the gospel does, this larger entity that we call the body of Christ. And frankly, I find that exciting. I find that energizing. Um, I find it very helpful. Well, my name is Paul Thomason. I've been with Jonah Wilson. Uh, this is Farming with Jesus, how the seeds of faith grow in our lives. We've been talking about individualism. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us and uh, by emailing us. Uh, that information is on the, the uh, information that's associated with the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, the podcast is going to uh, every other week. Um, they're a little longer, perhaps, but uh, we are thinking about how we, in this series, connect with the world that is around us today. We've been thinking about the idea of individualism and how the gospel reshapes that into our relationship with the community. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that very much. Please be in touch.